101 of the Forever Bristol City podcast. Joining me are Dave, Fabs, Mark and uh, Ian. Uh, Mark and Ian were on Radio Bristol uh, last night, so I'll begin by, first of all, just asking Dave for his thoughts on that uh, 90 minutes. What a, what a, it was, it was an interesting game, wasn't it, on many respects? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, fantastic result, fantastic commitment. I think it's probably what I put in my, my tweet to Radio Bristol last night. Um, but I didn't think we played that well. Um, and, you know, Stoke probably, you know, if it's not just about putting the ball in the onion bag and, and you kind of look at it a little bit deeper than that, then uh, I, I think, you know, we still got a, a fair bit of work to do, but absolutely delighted to, to get a result. Yeah, Mark, um, rather than ask your opinion on the game, um, let's look at the starting lineup. It was a It was an unchanged 18. Did that surprise you that the youngsters started and coming up against the Stoke team with inexperienced wing-backs, Scott and O'Dowd. Were you surprised at that lineup? Yeah, I would have made I would have made some changes. I thought we I you know would have picked the team that we finished with on Saturday and Amasengo in for Benarus and uh, Semenyo in for Scott. Uh, and um yeah, well, maybe not taking O'Dowd, O'Dowd off, but I would have made some some changes. But I think it's because Pearson trusts them, and he they he the players Benarus and, and Scott repaid those uh, the trust with the amount of effort. Although you know, at times Scott, I don't think he suited to to a win back role, uh, role, but it was good for continuity from a team who are now. You know, look, looks like we're going to use a three-five, a three-five-two formation is our regular formation. The team looked a little bit more comfortable with it, although the quality wasn't there. The commitment certainly was. Yeah. You can't you cannot question the commitment oh. of the team and hoping that, that the quality comes with results. It's got a, got a really good platform here to build on. Yeah, but yeah we, we're short of quality, but let's 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 look forwards. Ian, did that starting lineup? surprise you at all there was talk that Matty James might have come back um, uh, it, it, you know he, he's clearly not 100% because he didn't even make the bench but uh, it, coming up against a good Stoke side it was a brave to stick with the same team wasn't it well it was either brave or that and the first six minutes of the game we could have been out of the game because we probably started as badly as we started all season you had that suicidal attempted volleyed back pass from Williams, who, who I thought was poor last night. Um, and then the, the save from um, Fletcher at the post. And from that back pass, uh, Dan Bentley produced a, a really good save because the ball got deflected. So we could have been out of the game in the first six minutes. So I thought we looked a bit tired in midfield. Uh, I don't understand not freshening it up when you've got three games in eight days. Uh, and they're tough physical games. I thought we were far better in the first half against Blackburn than we were at any point last night. I agree on Scott not being a wing-back. I think he's a good footballer in, in a sense. He should be able to play anywhere. 
Um, but and he really needs to watch his tackling because in two games this season, if we'd have had VAR um, on our games, he'd have been off both times. Yeah, you know, you're right. He did that. Uh, he did that tackle at Coventry, and uh, as you say last night, yeah. I mean, Dave, the uh, opening five minutes, uh, we were sat there watching, and you're thinking, bloody hell, you know, this had shades of Bournemouth the way they swarmed all over us, and as Ian alluded to. We didn't help ourselves with that sloppy pass by uh, Williams, and they hit the woodwork twice, and saved by Bentley uh, and what have you. But it was a, it was a tough opening ten minutes or so, wasn't it? And we could the game could have been out of our grip by then. Yeah, I, I, most definitely. I, I, I do wonder whether there might be something in these green away shirts. And I know that kind of sounds a bit stupid. I know that there's been lots of talk about the kind of colour blind awareness stuff as well, but. I wonder whether he just didn't see him. You know, he was kind of half hidden by Callas, wasn't he? Um, and, you know, maybe Callas has shouted for him to, to pass the ball to him. I, I don't know. But, yeah, it was a poor back pass. And I think Ian's right. I think Callas might have just got a little little touch on it as well from the shot yeah. on Brang. i got to say, Brang didn't look confident going through on that shot, if I'm being honest. Um, I thought thought Fletcher had scored from his header. I was expecting it just to kind of nestle in the, in the bottom corner. But I think, I think you know, it's, it's easy to, to look at, Say, well, you know, we could have been out of sight, you know, inside six minutes. So, you know, if they score in the first minute, probably things don't then manifest like they do for the, you know, the rest of the time. You know, you probably dig in or whatever. But um, yeah, it was a, a pretty, uh, pretty poor start. It was quite a helter skelter start from from us. I thought I didn't think we got any real control on the on the game for 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. I was sat on that touchline that uh, Scott was defending, so. Uh, lower lands down down that end and that Timon he did the classic uh, nutmeg on him didn't it on one occasion he did seem to be caught ball watching in the first half a lot Scott didn't he Dave <laughs> I, I, I saw it very differently I, I thought he had a fantastic game he was my man in the match last night I thought yeah Timon nutmegged him but I think you, you have to look around at what else is happening with other players to see whether he's out of position there's a, there's a classic one Last night, I think it was the one where um, Sawyer's gone at the far post against Masengo, and it, and it looks for all the world that Scott's got caught out of position. But but Viner's there, st- stood alongside Callas at right centre-back, and neither of them are marking anyone. And Scott's already had to go and press Vrancic. So you can't... Players run off of players, but other players have got to come and take responsibility as well. But I, I, I thought he was excellent last night, Scott. Yeah. I, I think, in fairness, Dave, I thought in the second half, he, which is the opposite side of the pitch and the furthest part away, I thought he got into it and looked what you expect a wing-back to be. Um, Mark, uh, Dave said about the green shirts, which Bournemouth were the last team to wear them, and maybe Barnsley did as well. But something that had also been commented on was the um, perimeter pitch-side advertising. People commented about it after the game on uh, Saturday. Uh, I thought they dimmed it a bit, but two things, the, the pitch side advertising and those green shirts. Can't be easy out there when the ball's zinging along, can it? Not if you've got, if you've got um, uh, you know, vis- you know eye, eye problems, maybe, cut, maybe colour blindness. I think I've been in the stadium sometimes on the very odd occasion when those, that, that advertising's frozen. So it's frozen on a single message, you know, in luminous, in a luminous colour. So it can be off-putting. I think the only, it'd be nice, it'd be nice if they had an opponent taking a penalty where, where a sign was going, miss, 
miss miss that would be good wouldn't it <laughs> but, but yeah i mean there's i think there's the uh, dave and ian might have seen this i'm sure the italian fa uh, are trying to ban away teams wearing or ban teams altogether wearing green shirts yeah. from next season or the season after for this very yeah, reason so um you know there's a you know this interesting development there's no need there's, it's, it's a stupid color it's a yeah. stupid color to wear really. it, it, it's dark. In, in under lights it's hard to it is yeah, hard to pick up no, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily um, put that down to, you know, any defensive mistakes, maybe not. And I thought Scott stuck doggedly to Timon. Yeah. Apart from the first 25 minutes, they had a great running battle down the side. Yeah. And, and Scott, yeah. his, his tracking back's great. He gets in some, some great block tackles. Some of his slide tackling's, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. He, he tackles like a forward player, which he essentially is. Yeah. But he stuck to his man. And, you know, I, I, I think after Timon got that cross in for, for Fletcher's header against the bar, they didn't really have a clear cut chance after that in, in, in the first half. No, I think, yeah, he did. He did very well. And he stayed. He stayed. I think he stayed on for the whole game, didn't he, uh, Alex? Uh, he didn't, you know, didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did. To bring some menu on. So that's that's good because yeah. he's usually I mean, he, he's lacked stamina in games previously oh, after well, about exactly. 60 minutes no, but he not. gave it his all last night and that's great him and Ben Aroos dogged loads of energy you know not well we not can talk about support quality, performances yeah, yeah. In a it's, moment. Good. it's uh, good going forward so yeah. good Ian the goal when it came I said to uh, Tom who was sat next to me I said these bloody throw-ins you know it's getting a bit tedious and I'm sure I wasn't alone in uh, saying that, but it was Callas, though they're not foul throws. The one he had one foot over where it needed to be. Uh, but good throw by Callas. Nice little flick by Martin. And there was uh, Backinson. That wasn't a bad goal, really, was it, Ian? No, it's a classic long throw goal. That's what you're trying to do. If you had to show somebody a video of a long throw working, that's it. That's how it works. The ball goes in. Hopefully, it goes in a little bit flatter than Calas throws them because they're normally more effective. Uh, the lapsed ones used to go into the box like an absolute rocket. Um, but Martin got a really good flick on. He got extremely well, flicked it on. And it was good for Backinson to be going in. And unlike the rest of our midfield players, um, he's got goals in him. Uh, and my point with Scott, it, it right back, he was caught out of position. But I take Dave's point that cover wasn't there. I mean, when Ty, uh, Tyman nutmegged him, uh, it, the, he flicked the ball through his legs, past him, by about eight yards, and then ran into that space. And that's something that we got better at against Blackburn. And last night, possibly as the game went on, in getting out and stopping people in wide areas, because before last night, uh, we were the team in the division that conceded the most crosses into our box. And that's why, and we also were the team that conceded the most shots. So if you're doing that, it's little wonder that our, um, we've conceded so many goals. And it's little wonder that we've only scored, is it seven goals now in 10 home games? I mean, it might be eight. But and, and no, it's, it's eight very now, much yeah. in, in double di- uh, single digits. But, and that's the, that's, the, that's the crux of the matter. Um and, and it, it, if you're not doing those two things, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to work out that you ain't going to score many goals and you're going to concede a few. 
So we're at the the wrong end of of the expected goals table and all the rest of it. But good thing to get a uh, good thing to get get the three points out of a game where I don't think we deserved the three points out of that game as much as we deserved the three points against Blackburn. Interesting. Dave, you uh, put your hand up there for uh, uh, a contribution. I was going to ask you about the goal anyway, but yeah, say something it's, about what he said. No, it's, it's more about the, the, the just going back to the throw-in, really, and and I, you know those those little kind of things we do, or that actually end up getting results. And Scott kind of was going nowhere on the touchline, and won the throw, which was which was good. And then he played it into Benarus, who got who was kind of completely hemmed in, and Benarus's nous was. I'm going to lose the ball if I try and dribble past it. I'm just going to boot it against his shins and we're going to get another throw in, but it's 15 yards further down the touchline. Yeah. And, and obviously we know what happened there. And I, I thought that was kind of quite, there were lots of things they did, both of them did last night, I thought were massively mature. And that, and, and that was a, a, a good case in point. Now, that was all I wanted to say. Yeah. Ian, go on. They're, they're both very good at buying fouls, Scott and Ben Roos. And Ben Roos finished up getting Joe Allen sent off last night um, because they are, you can see them towards the end of the game, Benarus's maturity uh, was that he didn't just get the ball and boot it away because there was still too much of that, but he got the ball and he went on a run, but not in a dangerous area where if he lost it, they'd have turned us over. So he'd run towards the touchline. Someone would go after him and he'd just wait. They'd go into his back and he'd go over yeah, and by the free kick, and and Scott and Ben Roos are both very good at doing that. Yeah, yeah. Mark, um, the goal, it, it was it was a good goal, and do you want to add to uh, what he yeah. said about Ben Roos? Yeah, Ben Roos and Scott, they get a very low centre of gravity, put their bodies across the player, so they're shielding the ball very well. So they invite invite a challenge. I think once in the first half, Benarus twisted past his guy on on the left hand side. It was it was genius to buy a foul. You can, you're just going to keep winning fouls. The goal, um, Callas uh, has got three players on him. I think in the centre in the centre of the box, so they're, they're all pulling pulling him to pieces. But and and similarly, two or three players around Martin because he didn't really make a run across the near post for that. There wasn't really much movement from what I saw, but he managed to flick it across. You know, with, three, with the two or three players on him. And then once you take the goalkeeper out of the equation, you just need that runner across the front of the six-yard box and touching in. And that's the that's the first time we scored since the, the second, only the second goal we scored from a throw-in after Reading, when we put it, you know, in the, I think the first away game we had. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it just shows it works. But we do it from perhaps too often for my liking. It does slow the game well, down. Well, it's interesting you say night, about the throw there. It took there, a sting at the game. In the second half, again in yeah. front of us, I think it looked like Baker was going to take the throw, and then Callas came trundling over. So it was obviously, oh, we're getting ready for the long throw. And and Tom, my colleague who was sat next to me, he was screaming, "Why doesn't he do the short throw to Masengo, who could have called for the ball? He was in acres of space. So instead of the predictable long, they could have done the throw and whipped it in from a different angle. But there we go, Ian. You wanted to uh, yeah. make a contribution." Well, Mark said something about Callas had players around. No, I think yeah, he, I think he made Callas with the throw, but the person. Do you mean in the Baker? Middle. Sorry, mean, I, mean, I meant Baker would have players around. Sorry, yeah, right, yeah, 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 I'm with you. Um, yeah. look, on the on the half hour mark, 
Joe Williams, a few minutes before he went off, you could see something was afoot. Um, we were able to bring Masengo on with half an hour to go. And we thought, hello, this is where the tide's going to turn because after the goal and the early stage of the second half, we were looking good without looking great. Um, Williams going off, apparently it's the hamstring, the other one. Um, Dave, if we keep Williams on the pitch, you know, we could fit for the remainder of the season. His influence, although Ian said he was poor in parts yesterday, you know, Williams is the difference between a top half and a bottom half finish. Because, you know, I don't think we're going to be in relegation difficulty myself. But would you agree with that view? And I wonder how long Williams is out for now. Um, yeah, I think they're just monitoring it. So I think uh, James Piercy at the post said that he was, you know, slightly limping last last night when he when he walked away from the ground but yeah um he's, he's not done his other hamstring by the by the seams of it which is which is good i think he's important i think ian might say he was, he was poor last night but i look at it in terms of what he brings to the, the the team in terms of intensity you know and he might go flying into some tackles but do you know what i think that's what we've missed is is that and i think it also gives others encouragement to do exactly the same as well and it also means the opponent thinks, geez, you know, if I get this ball on the half turn here, I might get clattered by by Williams, or I might get clattered by Scott, or I might get even even O'Dowder's now making making tackles. Yeah. And I think it's it he's lifted the whole of the team, coupled with perhaps Baker as well, who, who likes to likes to get stuck in. Yeah. I think they've they've raised that up, and actually, he's almost. I think I made this this post either on Twitter or 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 Otip over the weekend. Was almost like Williams and Baker like the the big brother. So if you know, if you have a go at our our, our young uns, they're going to come in and sort you out, kind of thing. And I, and I think it has raised raised the whole kind of team. But yeah, he's, he's massively important to us. Yeah. Um, but then again, I, with you know Sunday's game and then maybe six days to Derby, if he's not right, then you just don't risk him this this Sunday. To. You know, for me, the, for me, I'm, I'm a great believer in you. You play your players to get to get the result for the game coming up, and then you assess afterwards. And if and, and if he was absolutely fine to play you know 60 or 70 last night you'd do it and and if you know we've got a result with a, with a one nil win if he's not ready Sunday then don't play him. No, and the fact is that Matty James may come in interesting you raised the mm. point about O'Dowder because I called my hands up and said I've been one of his harshest critics but he showed that when he does attack the ball he's so and he goes down down the touchline he's good you know and maybe we'll see a renaissance in his uh, in his career at Ashton uh, at Ashton Gate Ian Closing stages, we were, we the goal led, I won't say a charmed life, but I think it was Ostergaard and then Doughty, one of their subs, was uh, clean through, you know. And, and when the referee put up nine minutes, for goodness sake, I don't know where they got nine from, but, uh, you know. I did. did. the worst, but we did we did okay in the end. You know, Pring came on for O'Dowder, and I think there was another, uh, Atkinson came on for the injured Baker after that Doughty incident, but... There wasn't that panic stations at the 16,000 or so crowd, or however many were in there, um, thought there would be when nine minutes was signalled. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, the nine minutes came from all the injuries. I mean, Fletcher went down with his foot, and he was probably down for at least three minutes. Mm. And then the lad ran into the back of ba- Baker and smashed his hooter. And he it's was... Uh, like, yeah, he Baker was, Brown. Yeah. He was on the floor for five minutes. So I, I can see... Yeah, I could see where it came from. It's unusual. Referees don't normally pick that sort of thing up. But I think when you've got two blokes down that long, then we had a, a session where 
uh, Baker went down and went off again. Um, so <laughs> yeah, okay. so I, hope, I hope he's off. Uh, you mentioned Joe Williams. If we can keep him fit all season, no chance. I've got to that point with Joe, that's, uh, Joe Williams. Did I say Joe Baker? Joe Williams. I just think it's going to be a massive struggle to keep him fit for three games a week. Uh, I don't, in fact, I've, I've got almost got to the point where I don't think he can do it. Um, in which case, you, you so, use him the best you can then, Ian, don't you? Yeah, you do. And, and I mean, if it, it could be a case of, well, we'll play Matty James and then we'll play Williams with him. But if Williams ain't quite right, we've got Masengo, Backinson, uh, who has got a goal in him, uh, to uh, they can come in as well. Uh, I think I still think we need a a really good creative player. If and I think you have to see what happens when George Tanner's fit, uh, where Alex Scott plays, because I think he and Benarus are similar players in midfield and. Although uh, I, I wouldn't play either of those, assuming Williams and Baker are fit, um, I wouldn't play either of those at at Sheffield United. I, I'd rest them because playing three games a week is really difficult. And to go through a couple of what I call bruising games uh, against Stoke and Blackburn, then go to Sheffield United, who've just sacked their manager this morning. Uh, so they might have a dead cat bounce from that. Uh it is, I think, going to be a bridge too far, yeah. and we can't we can't start as badly at Sheffield United uh, as we started against Stoke. Even though Sheffield United aren't that great at home, and we need to go there and attack, I'm convinced of that. And we've had some good results there over the years. Um, yeah, Dave, your uh, thoughts on the referee last night? We thought there was a good referee. I think most people at the weekend thought the referee was uh, was good. Um, but um, what what were your thoughts on the on the ref? Yeah, I thought I thought John Busby on Saturday is the best ref I've seen at Ashton Gate for a long, long time. And I'm pretty critical of refs, and I thought he refereed the game excellently. I, I thought Oliver Langford was typical Oliver Langford last night. You know, does doesn't understand the game at all, and and just makes lots of wrong decisions. Normally, those wrong decisions are against us. Last night, I think he was inconsistent. Sorry, consistently bad for for both teams. If I'm if I'm being honest, he's just just not up to it. I don't think. Yeah, um, Mark. One of the uh, statistics that I uh, noticed. I mean, as per usual, we've won a game with less than forty percent possession. As Ian said on Radio Bristol last night, that seems to be, you know, how we are at the moment. But uh, <clears throat> I think this was a Sky stat. And it showed that we had 177 passes with 63% accuracy, and they had 408 with 80% accuracy. I mean, that says a lot about our style, really, doesn't it? That we're not massively comfortable in possession. Neither are we accurate because there's lots of unforced errors. And I thought Andy Vyman was guilty of that quite a few times up front yesterday. Your thoughts on those stats, Mark? Yeah, I mean, whereas on Saturday we we, we pushed up um, and you know the, the lines between the between defence, midfield, and attack were quite narrow, and we managed to suffocate Blackburn in the first half. Last night there was there was lots of space, and Vrantic, Allen, and Sawyer's really dictated the game in the first half. Nice triangles, uh, defence pushed their wing backs with Smith on the right and Tymon on the left were always available. Were always available for a pass. In a, and, and you know, and they had Fletcher up front to get to get on the end of crosses. So until we're able to, you know, strengthen that that midfield area, and 
you know, we don't play on. I mean, I was watching the, the first couple of chances. They were right on the edge, in the edge of our area. They were playing on playing on top of us, confident enough to get players ahead of the ball. We hardly do that, apart yeah. from set pieces. But until we got players strong enough to keep possession, um, it's always going to be it's always going to be a pro- be a problem. But hopefully, that's something we we can develop. Dave, you know, as as the season goes on with experience with Ben Aroos and, and and Scott and other players coming in. You know, there is there is time that's not right off yet. Dave, you had a comment to add there? Yeah, it's a, it's a, there were a couple of observations from me during the game last night. I'd say, we, you know, we talked to death about you know, the opening 20, 25 minutes where we weren't very good. And whereas on Saturday against Blackburn, we got quite a bit of success by Benarus joining in with Martin and Vyman in pressing their defence. What happened in that, uh, those opening 25 minutes on uh, last night was that actually when we did that with the three of them, they bypassed us and therefore we left Williams and Backinson quite often being the two against their three. So they had Joe Allen finding pockets, Romain Sawyers and, and Vrancic. And after about 25 minutes, I don't know whether there was an instruction out, but Benarus stopped joining Vyman and Martin in the press and we basically went more of a block than a press and we actually, we actually just let their three centre-backs have the ball. And none of their three centre-backs are particularly great on the ball. You know, in, you know they're not, none of them are like Webster or anything like that. And that was the really the turn of the game for me, is that they, they started to get frustrated and they started to rush, rush passes. Um, they knocked a couple of balls out of play. They tried to play that killer pass when it wasn't really on and we, we stole it. And I, I, I'm just going to, I don't know if this will come through on the screen, but that, it might even be back to front. But basically, that's our possession stats. We didn't have any possession stats in like the first quarter of the game. We didn't have much possession in the last quarter of the game. But in the bits in between, when we rushed, not just rushing, but we forced them to play more risky passes, that was when we took a control. And right. there's another one as well, which is around our intensity. And, that, and it probably just shows us that big like V at the start there. That's the point where we started to just let them have the ball a bit. So their possession, when they had the ball, kind of, they, they knocked the ball around a bit more, but they didn't cause us any problems. And that no, allowed us call to get it into sterile, the game. couldn't you? Sterile and, possession, so, yeah, it was. That, that was quite key, key for me. So I think yeah. there's, you know, we, we've seen two different ways of pressing from Saturday and, and, and last night that you've got to be able to adapt on the pitch and be able to work out where the opposition are going to threaten you. And I think last night the threat was getting Alan Remain Sawyers and Vrancic in little pockets. And once we stopped that happening, that was what turned the tide. And I thought the middle part of the game, first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, I thought we were really, really comfortable. We looked like yeah, we were building. I'd agree but with that. If there's two outside bits that we, yeah. need to, we need to improve on, I don't know if anyone else got any more thoughts on yeah. that. Ian, I want to ask Ian a question. Um, Dan Bentley always seems to play it long. It was interesting looking at the way Stoke, when the keeper was in possession, they did that thing where I think a lot of premiership sides do it, where they'd have three passing options of the goalkeeper to play it short. Yeah. And, you know, we tried to press it a few times, but do you think Bentley playing it long when we haven't really got that Kiefer Moore type up front, do you think that's a tactic that might change over time or it's fine? We're going to get the personnel to make it more effective maybe when the transfer window comes. Well, the answer to that question is uh, it depends how we decide to play and who we sign in January. If we go up to Rotherham and get Michael Smith, then, yeah, you could, he can go long. 
but what we have to do if we go long is we have to get players running past the ball onto flicks that will come uh, because other times they 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 don't go past the ball because they're frightened of getting caught out of position. Overall, there's there's, there's two things we need to really improve on. Uh, one is our movement. I think our movement is is quite poor uh, most of the time. Uh, there's not that many options for someone with the ball, which is why we don't do the short thing. You know, give it to Baker, give it to Callas, give it to Atkinson, because when they try and bring the ball out. They are very occasionally successful, but more often than not, lose it and we get turned over in possession. Uh, and our passing, there were some really simple passing passes last night. Uh, I remember one from Baker to Backinson. Baker had no one with him. The ball was on his left foot. Uh, all he had to do was cushion pass it 10 yards to Backinson and he overhit it like a mule. And if we're, if we're going to keep a giving first the ball... Half yeah. No, that's a circle, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I thought, well, that sums us up because there was it was a pass you or I could have made. It was 10 yards straight line. Just cushion it and give it to him. Backinson was in probably in five yards of space, so he could have got on the turn. And when Backinson goes forward, he looks far, far better than when he's trying to defend. Um, so that's got that. You know, that's a thing in training. I can understand. Um I asked one of the um, City Academy coaches, uh, uh, that I said, do the first team actually work on skills? You know, uh, first touch, passing. Do they do those kind of drills? And he said, well, I'm sure they do. I said, because the way I see the academy play is completely different to the way the first team play. You watch the academy play. And, and it, it's playing through the thirds, passing to feet, first touch, and all the rest of it. You go in the first team, and these kids must wonder what the hell's going on because the ball's flying over their head if they're in midfield. Yeah. And and it, it doesn't get the best out of what we got. I mean, if you want to play like that, like I said, yeah, go and, go and get a team of giants. Okay, guys. Um, Pearson, Nigel Pearson, the manager, gave a lot of credit to the crowd. Uh, last night because, you know, they got behind the team. I'll come to you first, uh, Mark. Um, they say the crowd is the 12th man. Do you think we were last night? Yeah, fantastic atmosphere. I mean, there were a lot of gaps and obviously they count season ticket holders even if they don't turn up. But, you know, we nearly needed the crowd support and, and you know, the, the uh, you know, the the, the atmosphere was was tremendous at times, especially near the end. And it reminded me of the end of the Barnsley game when we were under under a hell of a lot of pressure and it was like a like pinball in the penalty area. So, yeah, even I started singing, didn't put too many people off because I, I don't think they were listening. But uh, but yeah, it was it was great. And, you know, the whole feeling of winning and I'm not, maybe I Ian was right. I got a bit carried away on Radio Bristol. But, you know, we, when you win a game, Thanks, Ian. Uh, when you, when you, you know, we've only won two games all season. You're just thankful. Winning is brilliant, isn't it? But I know we didn't, you know, it was no frills, but the crowd were behind the team. And we got a lot, to, we got a lot to build, build on. But that, you know, we're, look, we're looking up at last, I think. We got a nice gap between us and the, and the relegation places and, and, and the support is everything. Support is generally better away, away from home. 
But I think, uh, you know, that really helps Nigel Pearson. Well, and I think it's very difficult to tell what emotion he's showing sometimes. Well, it, he's, it's normally he's, the uh, same look, isn't it? Like a 50-yard stare. I wouldn't like D- to get the wrong D- side D- of him. Dave, <laughs> Dave we, we were talking a moment uh, earlier off uh, offline. Um, I thought Pearson, the last couple of games, he's looked more animated. You said he actually looks well. You know, and he looks sharper. Yeah, and he seems to be engaged on the touchline. He's even having a bit of banter with Dean Holden. But do you think we're seeing a bit more of the real Nigel Pearson now, that side displaying some of his DNA or some of his, um, what's the other word I'm looking for? Some of his um, um, identity. Identity. That's starting to look like a Nigel Pearson side, Dave. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know, to, to be honest. But yeah, it definitely looks 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 well. You know, when you see the, the videos he's, he's, he's put out, it, you know, his whole kind of face looks and his eyes look, you know, much more kind of alive, if that makes, if that, if that makes, makes sense. You know, the, I think the, the interview he did before the, the international break, before he went off, he looked he looked pretty knackered. And uh, maybe, you know, he's got a bit of, you know, his, his health back and his mojo and, and that's kind of contributed to, to what we're seeing on the pitch. But, uh, yeah, you know, long may it continue. Yeah. Ian, you, you were saying about managers getting the sack it seems to be happening um uh, personally i think you know pearson's particularly after the last two games is in a very good position but you still think that you know if we have a a bad run this side of the transfer window six games before it opens he might still be under threat I, i think you're being a bit harsh but tell me why you feel like you feel because the managers are getting that have got the sack have had better records than he's got so and it's very easy at this club to get <clears throat> wildly excited and carried away like Mark was on Radio Bristol last night and talk about looking up the table uh, instead of looking down. The first thing I looked at is how many points are we clear of the relegation zone? Eight points. Brilliant. That'll do. Eight. Is it nine? Eight, uh, eight now, isn't it? Yeah. Eight. eight. <laughs> eight. <laughs> I've, tell you, I've, I've got five fingers on what both hands. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not from north of the river. Uh, well, you never know. That, you've got eight eight points clear. Uh, be brilliant if we could win it, Sheffield United. I actually had us down for a win there before last night. Um, so if we can get 11, 12 points clear of that, I won't start looking at the table until we're a couple of points off the playoffs, and, and then I will look up the table. Uh, in terms of Pearson, uh, the last three games... Um, so, well, the last two games particularly have, have gone well. There's no doubt about it. Um, I thought we played very well in the first half against Blackburn. Not great in the second. Uh, last night, it was a battling, committed performance. Wasn't a great one. Um, players did well, but I, I wouldn't use superlatives like superb and excellent like I've heard banded about because I just don't think they were. Um so no, I, I won't. Uh, I, I th- yeah, it depends. It's it's a results game, isn't it? It's as simple as that. And you've got now. I mean, Yukanovich is the second manager that's been sacked when he's won a game. I mean, Daniel Farker got uh, won his first game in ages in the Premier League. Got the bullet the next day, and um, uh, and and Yukanovich he won the other night and had a player taken off. And we don't know yeah. whether. John Flex going to appear for them on Sunday. I, I personally doubt it after that, but we'll have to see. So 
every club's got problems with injuries. And I mean, Stoke had lost Suter, who's been playing centre back for mid play and tearing it up by all accounts. He's out for the, for the season or longer. So, um, no, I, I think it only takes a bad result or two and the pressure's back on again. So, let's hope at the very least, even if it's draws, we go unbeaten and then the pressure begins to ease off. We begin to move up the table and we're, we're doing what Mark said in looking up, not looking, yeah. looking over our shoulder all the time because that just gets wearing for, for fans, for the manager, the players, everybody. It just, it's just soul destroying. Yeah. Mark, I mean, they say there are no easy games in this um, division, but if you look at, the run up to before at what well, and up to New Year's Eve, Sheffield United away, Derby home, Hull away, Huddersfield home, Luton away, QPR home. You know, you look at them, uh, all of those clubs, and um, you know, they're no none of them are better resourced than we are. Sheffield United maybe because they've still got some uh, Premier League money in there, but you know that that's not a run of games that we should view with uh, trepidation. Do you think that's that's true? Would you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, I think the, the big thing, the other thing that came out last night was was our discipline. Um, you know, apart from the Scott challenge, I think we, you know, we, 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 we uh, you know, we were, we were pretty clean. And I think the other, the only other thing was the sort of Greco-Roman wrestling and Masengo and, and Chester at the, uh, at the far post, which, which made me yeah, chuckle that when, was I the, a, when I that watched was the a, highlights. That was a penalty. And the foul, by, the foul by Callas before it was was a blatant push in the back, and he got away with it. So they could have had two penalties on that one. I, I, I don't think either of them were blatant, Ian. I think I think Callas has Callas has not pushed him as such. There's, there's some contact or whatever. I think you know the fact that Chester didn't go screaming. Chester, that Chester threw himself down, didn't he, on the floor? Yeah. And I think, like guy, I think you just you, you and Masengo. You just have to have a look at the big clump of shirt that. Ostergaard's got of Masengo's as well, so it might not be six of one half a dozen of the other, but they're both they're both tugging at each other. I, yeah, they, I, they, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't get on with let, it. I wouldn't let. I, I want to know why Masengo is is marking a big centre back at a corner, and we've done this before. I mean, the, the, he ain't great in the air. I mean, he'll compete, but he's a small guy. So I mean, he's coming up against six foot three centre backs. I know who's going to win it nine times out of ten, and that that one he he tried to clear where the ball literally. Sawyer thought he'd edited it, and it, it it hit Sawyer. It was a surprise. And that was stomach. actually quite. That was actually quite a good chance. He couldn't on, see past but, his hair, could he? That was the problem. Well, I think that's what, what put him off, Dave. I got. I got to be honest. If if Masengo cut his hair off, he'd look a foot shorter. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking if somebody says effing massive. I, I, I just wonder if somebody says, yeah. as as Masengo had any shots this season, and you said, yeah, vodka, cider. Yeah. <laughs> and it's is something massive, yeah. But Go going on, back yeah. to what you going back to what you said about about those those games that are coming up, if we play with that level of commitment and some discipline, we can squeeze out results. But we got to show a, a bit more a bit more quality on the on the ball. Yeah, uh, I, I think to, get, to, I, get, to go to go with I, it, we have. I we think have we got to do a, that. No I question. think we got to show a lot more quality on the ball, and we've got to utilize the squad that we've got. We haven't yeah. got a massive squad. I mean, now Benarus you can count as a first team player. Our squad's twenty five, and at the moment we got four injured and one on loan. Yeah. So that doesn't give us a huge amount of choice, but we can. I mean, last night, for example, I would have started Atkinson 
Wells, uh, Masengo, and uh, oh, somebody else that I can't bring to mind at the moment. So, oh, Semenyo. So yeah. I no, just you're right. Well, that's it. it was a strong and, match, Dave. And, what you, uh, we can do that at Sheffield United as well. Yeah. What are you looking to chip in there with, Dave? Yeah, I, th- I think I was just going to add in there that obviously we don't know what goes on at, at Phelan, but 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 for me, last night and Saturday were there's your there's your bar, guys. If you compete, and a bit like Mark said, if if you compete and show that level of commitment in ninety percent of the games for the rest of the season. We're going to get results, you know. We're going to scrape, you know, scrape draws where we maybe yeah. should have lost. We might scrape a win like last night where perhaps we didn't deserve it, but we'll get enough results for it to be a, a comfortable yes. season. And and I hope it's, you know, I think you know, was, was it Matty James supposedly kind of made some speech afterwards about you know the the older players looking after the younger players, but I think he's also people like Matty James and Andy King even when they're not playing saying, look, this is what you did those two games. You haven't made it. You need to you need to keep those levels up because this is what championship football is about. And if you drop below it, that's where you get your Birmingham's and your Coventry results. And I, and I think that's those those are the kind of key points for me. Not, not you know the results are really important and, and probably more important than anything else. But those learnings that they'll get from going through those experiences and also getting the rewards for putting the effort in because there's nothing worse than busting a gut and then you know losing in the. 93rd and 97th no, minute you've got to get matches where you do bust that gut and you might not lose to a 93rd minute goal but you might still hit the bar three times and what have you and they have one chance and they do do one on do one on you type of thing but you're absolutely right and what you said there picked up on some of the comments that I think Nigel Pearson's post-match interview that I heard you know he said this is a rebuilding job and you, you said it, we've, we've set the bar. We now know that level of intensity and commitment that's there. But, um, I mean, clearly, uh, Messrs Palmer and uh, De Silva, um, do we think, uh, Mark, first, uh, that we'll ever see them in a Bristol City shirt again? Palmer, yeah, I think he's out the door. I'm not sure about De Silva. I mean, he hasn't, I wouldn't say he's been he's been awful, but... Since he's had his uh, shin splints, you know, stress fractures, uh, he hasn't either been the same player. Spent a lot of time last season and the season before. When he first started with us, he looked very good going down the left side. I think defensively, he's been a bit culpable, but maybe I'd still stick with him. There's something in there. I think Palmer's, you know, Really, I, I, I certainly get rid of Palmer, but who's going to want these players? I mean, you you can easily say if they're they're under contract. You know, we can't do we sell them at a massive loss if they want it. Who's going to take players out on loan who aren't given who aren't good enough? I mean, yeah, Nigel Pearson has said, you know, I'm getting rid of players at January. It doesn't take, you know, doesn't take a, a, a rocket scientist to work out who it is. And people yeah. going to think, well, why have I gone take him out in the championship? Yeah, you know, Ian, your comment on that, um, final comment do, do you think either of those two will? play or do you think maybe De Silva still has a future and he's just a bit bad luck with injuries and loss of confidence? What do you think? I think it depends on injuries. Um, if all of a sudden next week we've got three or four players out on top of the ones that are out now, then you will have to play because there's literally, unless he brings a, one of the under-23s in, um, there's literally no one else to come in. Um, and, and I think what's happened with Jay De Silva is two things. One, 
we already had two left-sided defenders on the bench last night, and you don't need three. Yeah. And the second thing is I think Cameron Pring is overtaken him. And with Calamo Dowda, they can form quite a strong access on that axis on that left hand side. Yeah. Um, and I'd st- I'd start Pring and O'Dowda in a three four two one at Sheffield United because that's the way Sheffield United have been playing this three four two one and they've got Brewster up front on his own doing a bit of a Bobby Reed type role for them. And um but they they once again they play with wing backs like they did when they were uh, under Chris Wilder. So I'd go up there and match them up. Uh, and I think for me, O'Dowda is one of the two behind Martin <coughs> is a striker. And Weidman is the other one on the right. Yeah. And then you've got straight on the bench in terms of uh, Semenyo, who can come on and, and play either role or as an extra forward. And you've also got Naki yeah. Wells. Yeah. So I'd, I, I would I'd make some changes and I would freshen it up. Uh, the other thing I, I'd do, and this is controversial, is I'd play Atkinson at the back and I'd shift everybody over one. And I, because we're away from home, I'd play Viner as the opposite one, uh, the opposite wing back, if you will, or full back at, at the right back. And I'd play Pring on the left because then you've got two defenders and I'd give the young lads a rest, put them on the bench, and they can always be brought on as impact substitutes yeah. because now we know they're good enough. Yeah. Dave, um, Quickly on uh, Palmer, I think the view maybe is coming through that De Silva maybe has a future, but Palmer probably not. And who'd have him because he's on high wages anyway? Would, would he drop down a division? We pay half the wages, something like that. Yeah, what do you think? I, I, th- I think you know to to sell him, you're going to get you're going to be lucky to get anything and someone take his wages on. So I think you're either looking at still contributing to his wages for the rest of his contract or you're looking as you say to, to loan and maybe I, don't, I, I, I expect there's a championship club who fancy taking him on and think he can make a difference for them especially if it's a, you know, a reduced wage as well so uh, yeah I think that's up the Silva I'm a little bit unsure of um, I thought kind of Saturday you know it was definitely he's not on the bus um, even though he did a he was doing some uh, some drills while the other players were training and then last night, when I got I got the ground really early last night, and um, him and Conway were doing kind of whole pitch sprints for about twenty minutes before any of the players came out as well. So I get the impression he's he's not quite gone gone yet. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of you know just uh, wait and see on on that one. But yeah, Palmer's definitely the the likely yeah. candidate to, to to go. I think I just want to just pick up what Ian was saying there about like playing Calamo Dowder, you know in behind the strikers. I think what we've seen from Callum O'Dowder playing left wing back is the advantage of having space in front of him. And I think if you play him in there, you're effectively doing what you did with, say, Luke Freeman when we went up to promotion. You're playing him in the tightest area of the pitch. And he ain't the player that thrives when the, when there's players nipping around him. Yeah. He needs to be able to get his legs open. That's the last place I I play him is off off a striker. But you know we can have we can have a difference of opinions. On, on, on I'm not that. necessarily I'm not necessarily playing him off a striker. But what I'm saying is if you can combine, it might be better in a perhaps a four four five one type formation. But if you can get um, O'Dowda and Semenyo as your wide players. Um, I, I think you cause size a lot of problems, and I think in that position, because uh, basically you're talking about a three, 
uh, that formation when you're attacking like a 3-4-3 three, three, with O'Dowd as your wide left player. And uh, it's a 3-6-1 when you're defending. So if a side's trying to overload in midfield, we can stop our middle two getting overrun. And, and I, I think that's that's something we could look at. And it also gets gets our best players on the field at, at the moment. Yeah, I think I think it'd be interesting on on Sunday as well with Sheffield United's back three and their tendency to want to play it in the back three and the, and the, and the two side centre backs be able to kind of roam into midfield. Um, be really interested how much that will take out of Chris Martin without the ball as well. And I think it mm. might might it might be a game to not start him. Or well, not start yeah. Chris Martin, yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because you keep talking about resting youngsters and everything like that. Um, as I say, Chris Martin and Andy Byman, for that matter, we talk about having a strong bench. We had a strong bench last night. If those two are just rested, yeah, because we're going to be under pressure, but they're on the bench, you know, they're good players to bring on and you could shake, you could shake it up quite a lot yeah. if you wanted to. If yeah. you wanted to, and we don't know who's going to pick the side uh, for Sheffield. I mean, the Sheffield United side. A friend of mine is a Sheffield United uh, fan, and he said Jovanovic has been trying to play football with Chris Wilder's team that were a unit and a particular way of playing. And he's tried to get a team to play his way, but he hasn't got the players to play the way he wants to play. So maybe that's why he's a casualty. Mark, final point from you, far away. Yeah, I mean, if you don't if you don't play Martin, you can't you can't play the ball you can't lump the ball up front. You've got to play play the ball to play the ball to feet. Um, so you know, uh, it's 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 no use trying to trying you know trying to play the way that we've been playing. Play those long balls sometimes. It's it's going to have to be play the ball on the ground and try and get behind those defenders because you are going to get space. Obviously, in a free in a free five two, if you can uh, pull those wing backs at pull pull the. The 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 uh, the outside centre backs over once you got past the win backs. So yeah. you know every every chance I think. Excellent. All right, look guys, uh, we've had a good little session today. Hopefully uh, people have, have have enjoyed uh, listening to the, uh, the 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 review of um, last night's game or uh, Wednesday night's game against uh, Stoke. The game at Sheffield is a twelve thirty kickoff. So uh, those of us are going to be on the pod this weekend. It's probably going to be. Right about 5.30 uh, time. So uh, we're hopeful. We feel optimistic. It was a good performance <coughs> in many respects. wasn't a great performance because of the chances they had and what have you. But the, uh, the optimism barometer is there. I would give this, we gave it a C plus on Saturday. I give this, um, I give this a B plus because there were lots of encouraging signs. Dave, Mark, Ian... Thanks, all of you, for your uh, comments.